0: on Christmas Eve. Jack Campbell's still at his desk. Now there's a hallmark moment for you. Peter, I don't see you rushing home to trim the tree.
2: That's because I'm a heartless
0: bastard only cares about money. Well, you know what? God love you for that.
2: and welcome to the main event. Merry Christmas weekend it is. Just got back from my uh, 10 day cruise in the uh, Southern Caribbean. Got to see uh, islands like Martinique and St. Martin and uh, Puerto Rico and uh, a couple other islands, uh, Tortola. And uh, if you have to pick a favorite, I would say St. Martin is always my favorite. Um, But uh, it was a an experience that leads me to have to check into Betty Ford when I get back, as well as uh, and then into Eaters Anonymous. Uh, f- t- ten days, ten days of of uh, 15 drinks a day and and uh, and 15 meals a day. It's just it's enough to drive anyone into. Uh, some kind of comatose, but uh, I'm back. I'm back. I'm, I'm, uh, my body's happy to uh, give my liver a, uh, a break and my stomach a break from being stretched out constantly. Um, if you ever, if, if those of you that have never cruised, it is sure is fun, but it's hard. It's hard on your digestive tract, um, moving that much food and that much alcohol through it. Um, but, of course, I could abstain. I just don't want to. So anyway, I start off off with that uh, with that uh, movie clip from the movie The Family Man uh, with uh, Nicolas Cage. If you haven't seen it, it's a great movie, and uh, it's got some good Christmas uh, Christmas and family thoughts, and it has uh, and it has some uh, exciting uh, capitalistic craziness. And uh, that was Charlie Brown Christmas. I don't know who plays it. Some guy named Vince, Vince something or other that. Just to bring us in, bring everybody into the Christmas mood. So I've got a lot to talk about this week um, because I wasn't here last week. Kenny uh, Kenny White sat in for me, did a great job, and uh, but I've got a lot to a lot to go over this week. Uh, so let's get right to it. But before I do, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. If you're ready to get involved in any of the fantastic opportunities that are real estate, and you need financing, you want to talk to someone who thinks like you, call me call me at 951-252-2027 that's 951-252-2027 uh, and uh, and I'll help you help guide you towards guide you towards uh, whatever decisions you're thinking about making if you don't want to get in touch with me on the phone Uh, because it's so personal, you want to do the cyber thing, go to edhoffman.net, E-D-H-O-F-F-M-A-N.net. Click on the United American Mortgage logo and uh, do the cyber thing. Put in as much information as you want me to have. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from myself or one of my talented teammates, and we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle, whether that's to buy a piece of property that you'd like to own or to refinance a piece of property you already own or to check out that reverse mortgage thing that all the retirees are, are talking about, give you, put a little bit more money in your life. Um, if you've got if you got more uh, more life left in you than you have cash in the bank, you like to uh, enrich that a little bit. Reverse mortgage is a great tool to do that. Um, if there's any part of the show you want repeated, stay on edhoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this week's show as well as several past shows and listen to them on demand. You can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes. Apple Podcast, where uh, you can actually subscribe for free and once a week. Um, I record typically not during the holidays, but typically I record Friday mornings. Uh, we upload it Friday afternoon and it'll download to your device uh, somewhere so, somewhere shortly thereafter and uh, so you can always, and you can always hear it on the radio as well. Um, if you have comments on the show, send me an email to ed at edhoffman.net. All right so let's talk about what's gone on in the last week while I was uh, floating around on a cruise ship. The January 6th subcommittee held its final meetings on Monday to announce its criminal referrals to the Justice Department. All nine members of the committee, seven Democrats and two Republicans, the Republicans being Adam Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, hardly what I would call Republican, presented findings uh, of their investigation, just like they've been doing for the past 18 months. In other words, nothing new here. There's a common thread in their remarks Hmm, let's see if you can figure it out. Here's, uh, let's start with Jamie Raskin of Maryland.
1: The committee believes that more than sufficient evidence exists for a criminal referral of former President Trump for assisting or aiding and comforting those at the Capitol who engaged in a violent attack on the United States. An insurrection is a rebellion against the authority of the United States. It is a grave federal offense, anchored in the Constitution itself, which repeatedly opposes insurrections and domestic violence, and indeed uses participation in insurrection by officeholders as automatic grounds for disqualification from ever holding public office again at the federal or state level.
2: Predetermined conclusions. I remember uh, listening to a uh, real estate seminar when, the, when clearly the real estate market was was in the toilet um, several years back after the uh, after the the big uh, meltdown in 2008 so a couple of years after that at the end the guy that put on the seminar said my conclusions not predetermined were that this is going to be a great year in in real estate um, and of course that was predetermined because all all the evidence he laid out was that it was going to be a crappy year in real estate and uh, and so you realize this whole show, this whole uh, subcommittee, January 6th subcommittee, uh, uh, was all, all just a predetermined conclusion, and they put on a show to act like they were, they were listening, listening to the evidence. Next, Liz Cheney of Wyoming, who only has about two more weeks in Congress.
3: Among the most shameful of this committee's findings was that President Trump sat in the dining room off the Oval Office watching the violent riot at the Capitol on television. For hours, he would not issue a public statement instructing his supporters to disperse and leave the Capitol, despite urgent pleas from his White House staff and dozens of others to do so. Members of his family, his White House lawyers, virtually all those around him knew that this simple act was critical. No man who would behave that way at that moment in time can ever serve in any position of authority in our nation again.
2: Clearly, Liz Cheney uh, conveniently forgot about this little statement from President Trump on January 6.
0: You have to go home now. We have to have peace. We have to have law and order. We have to respect our great people in law and order. We don't want anybody hurt. It's a very tough period of time. There's never been a time like this where... But go home and go home in peace.
2: Yeah, clearly, uh, he should obviously not be allowed to run, which is the been the whole idea behind this whole thing, is they're scared they're scared. I'm looking for a word I can say on the on the uh radio. I'm looking for a uh they're they're that scared, you know the word I'm I'm thinking of, um, of Donald Trump getting back in because you know the first time they didn't really think he could do it. It surprised the hell out of them when When he actually got elected and they did everything they could to to to, uh, keep him from getting stuff done and finding out things. They tried to distract from all the stuff he would find out and kept that uh, Russian collusion thing going on, which they which they orchestrated. They did did all this stuff. And um, but now if he gets reelected, number one, he doesn't have to worry about about it being reelected. That uh, he'll be in there for four years, knowing that this is this is it. He's got four years to do what he's got to do, and now he's got he had a four year education on how the how the system works. I think we all saw him in uh, 2017 when he took office. Kind of, uh, hey, I know how business works, but I don't really know all the ins and outs of how this uh, Washington D.C. swamp works. And he learned some things the hard way. Um, but considering all that he got a hell of a lot of stuff done and did a lot a lot for a lot of people in this country and we were all working we were all making money taxes were low uh illegal immigration was low things were things were were going really well and they did and they did everything they could to get him out of there um so they're trying to say he knew that he lost the election of course this is 5 years later this is five years later. And in the last five years we've learned a lot that we know that this was a BS BS election. You know, uh Dinesh D'Souza did a did a whole whole movie on it called Two Thousand Mules. If you haven't seen it, you can get it online streaming. And uh and if and then of course all the different states did their individual their individual uh, uh audits of their of their of their elections and you know I can remember Nevada all, how many thousands and thousands of people voted that didn't live in Nevada, and how many people voted more than once with variations on their names, and how many people, uh, their home addresses were vacant lots. You know, they registered registered to the address, and if you looked up the address, there was not a house there, and there was not an apartment building there. There was just an empty lot. And, of course, all this stuff happened, and, of course, they they pushed it to where they, could, they couldn't, uh, Donald Trump, and the people that were behind him couldn't do anything about it before it got certified. And we all know that there's no way that Joe Biden got enough no, enough votes to beat Donald Trump. You know, you know that nobody was excited about that. And then, of course, the the last thing they they're trying to insinuate is that he started the insurrection. Of course, January sixth, we all remember him saying, "Hey, after this, you march peacefully and patriotically down to the down to the Capitol to." to let your voices be heard. Then we heard him say this when, say the, uh, make the last comment that we just played. And of course, um, he also tweeted out two tweets, uh, before his Twitter thing got shut down. I'm asking for everyone at the U S Capitol to remain peaceful, no violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order, respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. And then he did another tweet. Please support our Capitol police and law enforcement. They are truly on the side of our country. Stay peaceful. What more did they expect him to do? Did they want him to go out onto the Capitol and push people back himself? Secret Service wouldn't have allowed that. And, of course, he, he called for, uh, for more security in the Capitol, and the people that were in charge of that denied it. So it seems pretty obvious what the common thread is here. They want to prevent Donald Trump from running again. Can they do that? Here's what the plan appears to be from Bloomberg Law. The committee's vote to refer Trump for potential criminal charges in connection with January 6 brings fresh attention to the constitutional ban on insurrectionists holding office, which means they have to prove that Trump created this insurrection. Section 3 of the 14th Amendment states that no one can hold an office under the United States or any other state if they took an oath to support the constitution and then engage in an insurrection or rebellion against the same so again they have to they have to prove that that he engaged or started this ratified in 1868 the language was drafted to address former confederate office holders but the text doesn't spell out exactly how to disqualify someone from running for from running or holding an office again and that's exactly why we just heard this, the committee members urging the Justice Department to charge Trump with inciting or aiding in an insurrection, because it's automatic grounds for disqualification. And I believe this was all premeditated. You know, we saw the same. We know that the FBI agents were involved in infiltrating groups like the Oath Keepers and Three Percenters Club to to uh, encourage encourage actions. Of insurrection, as they did, they tried to encourage people to attempt attempt murder and and uh, and uh, kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, and they actually put people together to create the January sixth. And of course, um, they have to they have to just you know how would they do that? How would they do that? Hey, everybody was there to protest because we all saw it was a a BS election. It was a fraudulent, stolen election. All they have to do is throw in a couple of dozen uh, 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 Antifa guys to create a, create a bunch of problems, and wear MAGA hats while they're doing it. And that's what they did. Some other some other entity has to take action. For instance, the Secretary of State stopping him from appearing on a ballot, a judge concluding he's in, in, ineligible, or Congress refusing to certify an election. Hmm, isn't that exactly what Trump tried to try to do when we knew it was a phony election? So they're putting in a, They're in a position to uh, that they want to. Uh, they want somebody to do something like this. They want a judge to conclude he's ineligible. They want a secretary of state. They'd have to have fifty secretaries of state to uh, determine he's ineligible to be on the ballot, or they want to uh, keep Congress from certifying election results. Wow, that sure seems to have been a one eighty turn. Plus, the federal criminal insurrection statute states a convicted defendant can't hold any office under the United States, but legal scholars have said the penalties adopted by Congress for criminal conviction couldn't apply to the presidency since the Constitution exclusively lays out the qualification for that office. Hmm. Well I guess I guess that kind of screws their plan. Congress failed to act this year on a on a measure to create a de- standardized process aimed at avoiding legal chaos. The insurrection disqual- disqualification is an untested area of law and any push to keep Trump off the ballot is likely to trigger a fierce court fight. What I see is they're trying to uh, make changes to the constitution based on their desire- desired outcome. Exactly what they criticized Trump for two weeks ago when he said that we need to make some changes to the constitution because he didn't think the forefathers really anticipated the level of fraud that could go on in stealing election, uh, like with, with a pandemic, with a planned pandemic or with social media, uh, getting involved the way they did. So the forefathers didn't look out for that. And he suggested that we make changes. And of course that's exactly what they want to do. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, so let's go on. So that's, that's basically that let's talk about uh title 42 extension. Title 42 is the policy that has expelled two and a half million migrants in the last two years and denied them asylum requests in the name of COVID. That was set to expire on Wednesday this week, a week in which up to 2,000 migrants a day arrived in El Paso, most of them from Nicaragua, one of the, one of the countries exempt from Title 42. Remember, Title 42 only applied to people from countries Mexico agreed to take back, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, and just recently Venezuela. Department of Homeland Security moved 9,000 migrants out of El Paso to other sectors this week as the city has nowhere else to put them, and the mayor has declared a state of emergency. In Arizona, their 7,000 crossings per day are predicted to surge to 18,000 per day without Title 42. And on Tuesday, we got this cheerful holiday announcement that the DEA announced it seized more than 379 million doses of fentanyl in 2022. Enough to kill every single American in the country. Isn't that a cheerful thought for, the, for Happy New Year's? So the Biden, the Biden White House should want to keep Title 42 in place. But of course they don't. On Monday, 19 Republicans-led states had filed their own emergency appeals with the Supreme Court to keep Title 42 in place. Then on Tuesday, the Biden administration told the court that, that the justice should reject any appeals from conservative states. Wait a minute. Who's trying to stop democracy? Isn't democracy about hey we all have our we all have our opinions we all have our ideas and and the and the vote of the people wins? But the Biden administration told the Supreme Court that justices should re- reject any appeals from conservative states. Hmm. Only only take appeals that come from from Democrat states. We should just we should just not not have the democracy in this country apparently and the democrats are the ones doing that and pointing at our at republicans saying that we don't want that even though the white house acknowledged the end of title 42 will likely lead to disruption and temporary increase in unlawful border crises you think however the biden administration did ask the court to delay the ending of title 42 until at least december 27th wow six whole days So the thousands of migrants sleeping in the cold streets of El Paso can stay there through the holiday weekend. Merry Christmas to them. Stay on the streets. All right. So Chief Justice uh, John Roberts complied, freezing the deadline through the 27th. But a senior border official told CNN on Tuesday, we're going on as if nothing's changed. The official told CNN, policy discussions are still underway to provide other legal pathways to Nicaraguans, Haitians, and Cubans who make up a large number of the encounters. And it'll all be fine because the Biden White House is sending 23,000 more agents to the border. And where did they get those 23,000 uh, agents to send to the border? They're U.S. air marshals, which means most of our commercial flights no longer have air marshals on board. And what's what's even worse than that is they announced it on TV. That's a great message to send to the terrorists, right? And they're asking Congress for $3.5 billion not to prevent migrants from coming here, but to process and shelter and transport them. Here's Corrine John pierres exchange with Fox's Jackie Heinrich
3: look we're surging uh, we're surging uh, resources to the border we're going to ask for the uh, additional funding uh, the 3.5 billion additional funding request from uh, uh, from congress and we you know we want to make sure that we're really truly addressing uh, this challenge again the 23,000 uh, uh, agents that we're currently seeing at the border that is because of the work that this president has done and uh, and these are you know this is a historic number of agents that we see at at the the border. ...that it's really not making
2: a difference. There was one border uh, patrol
3: facility on Friday. Uh, He says there are 4,600 migrants in that facility. Its capacity is 1,040, and we're still, you know, Teleport 2 is still in place with—they're at four times their capacity right now. So is the view that this is working, that that, that those resources are working, that you guys have said, are from the work of this president to—is that Sufficient. I mean, we're asking for $3.5 billion in additional funding to help us. So if congressional Republicans are serious about this, serious about dealing with what the challenges that we're currently seeing, uh, then they would uh, assist.
2: Yeah, it's not and it's not enough to just blame Republicans for blocking migrant funding. Corrine Jean-Pierre also says Republicans are, get this, helping the cartels by talking about open borders.
3: I want to be very clear here. Uh, The fact is that the removal of Title 42 does not mean the border is open. Uh, Anyone who suggests otherwise is simply doing the work of these smugglers who, again, are spreading misinformation. The border is not open. And so I want to be very clear about that because we were doing the smugglers job if we spread misinformation.
2: Yeah, clearly that's the border is not open. All evidence to the contrary. ABC News got in the blame game this week, too, with Sunday morning with host Martha Raddatz saying this to Governor Greg Abbott.
0: You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say we have an open border, Come on over. But people I have heard say it for you. Our former President Trump, Ron DeSantis.
1: It was known from the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not is known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels.
2: Yeah, apparently Martha Raddatz didn't watch the Democratic primary debate hosted by her own network in September 2019 when Biden said this.
0: I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you
2: should come. So it's all about throwing more money at it. Hey, $3.5 billion, were we're throwing at it, and 23,000 more agents. That's a surge in, in agents that we that our that this president has has created. It's more than ever. Number one, we wouldn't need it if we kept doing the wall. Number two, we wouldn't need it if you weren't telling everybody the the border was open. And number three, you put everybody who flies on a commercial airline in jeopardy when you took all the air marshals off and then announced it to everybody on the on the on the TV. So it's it's amazing the the way this administration thinks. And uh, for those of you Democrats that happen to listen to this to see what crazy stuff I'll say, hey, you know what? You guys voted for this. Just watch watch how our our, uh, country swirls around the toilet bowl and goes down. Anyway, I'm out of time for this uh, half the main event. So stay tuned for five minutes of weather, traffic, sports, and commercials, and I'll be back with lots more. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage new company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do, and that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own, or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about, and whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape, California, I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me at 951-252-2027. That's 951-252-2027. One last time, day or night, area code 951-252-2027. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo.
1: Ed Hoffman and MLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation and MLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate.
0: AM five ninety The answer.
2: And welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. I don't talk a lot about real estate and financing on the radio, but if I did, I could spend the whole time enlightening you with, with the great opportunities that are out there and they're getting better as the, as the, the, for those of you that are buying the, the sellers are figuring out that they waited too long and the buyers are, the buyers are starting to figure out, Hey, I don't have to pay, pay more than, more than what's uh, being, uh, uh, what the list prices are. And I don't have to, uh, just bend over for the sellers and there's a, uh, there's opportunity for me to buy a house. And of course the rates have come down a little bit from their, from their highs a couple of months ago. So, so opportunities out there, if you want to look into buying a property you'd like to own or refinancing a piece of property that you'd, uh, you'd, or that you already own, or if you're looking for uh, some relief in your, in your budget, if you're over 62 and you want to look into one of them reverse mortgage things, which gives you more money as interest rates go down, uh, call me, call me at 951-252-2027 951-252-2027 and I'll help you uh help you uh guide you towards what's the best for you not what's best for me and get your uh get your finances dialed in. Uh so anyway, in the first half we talked about uh Title 42, we talked about the January 6th committee. Now we're going to talk about uh what happens every Christmas. As usual, We're at yet another deadline to fund the government this Christmas season. But there's good news.
1: I have good news. With days left before Christmas, Democrats and Republicans have reached an omnibus agreement completed at 1.15 a.m. early this morning. After a lot of hard work, this package represents an aggressive investment in American families, American workers, and America's national defense. It'll give our troops a raise make health care more affordable for millions, and it fulfills the promise Democrats made to defend democracy at home and abroad. The clock is now ticking. We must finish passing this omnibus before the deadline on Friday when government funding runs out.
2: Well, the good news is that... Uh, uh... Schumer and Pelosi and all them will still be, keep getting uh, getting paychecks. They their paychecks won't be interrupted. That's good news for them. I don't know if it's good news for the American people. And of course, I heard him list some things about the defense, which is which I'm going to talk about. But it's going to reduce the price of health care. I didn't see that anywhere in this bill. I think they're just so used to saying that everything. Hey, it's going to it's going to help the it's going to help fix the infrastructure, and it's going to. And it's going to reduce health care costs. I don't really think they know what else to say. They've said it so many times. It's kind of like watching Hannity. All right, so how much is this investment in America? $1.7 trillion, and here's where it goes. Defense, $858 billion goes to the Department of Defense, which I have no problem with investing in our defense we need to. There's The other $797.6 billion is discretionary spending, a 10% increase over last year's budget. And of course that means discretionary spending means we just blow it. We just, uh, put it in a, put it in a, in a big pile and light it on fire and just waste money. And we just put it in places that we really don't track. So our, uh, so our, so our, uh, our, uh, swampy people in, uh, in Washington, DC can figure ways to, to, uh, to, uh, extort it into their own pockets redirect it hundreds of high ticket add-ons like four billion dollars for the navy to buy 11 new ships including three guided missile destroyers and two attack submarines okay i don't really have a problem with that 8.5 billion to buy 61 f-35 fighter jets from lockheed martin and two and a half billion to buy 15 of boeing's new kc-46 tanker aerial refueling planes apparently the price of uh, f-35s has gone down if you can buy 60, 61 of them for $88.5 billion. And, of course, more money for Ukraine, $27.9 billion to cover the Defense Department's emergency aid package. This includes replenishing American stocks of equipment that have already been given to Ukraine. And don't forget the $85 billion worth of, of equipment that we just left for the Taliban to arm them. If you watched the news on Wednesday, you saw Vladimir Zelensky at the White House and uh and Biden telling him uh that the sky's the limit anything you guys need of course why wouldn't he cuz it's not his money whose money is it it's our money it's the money that comes out of your check every week or the money that comes out of your retirement check every month or the money that comes out of your kids their kids checks they're taking all that money which people say hey how come I don't get my whole paycheck cuz we got to get it to, give it to the government and what is the government doing with it giving it to other countries or just extorting it into their own pockets tucked into this omnibus bill is the secure 2.0 act a follow up to the 2019 secure act retirement savings bill secure 2.0 is a bunch of provisions to overhaul the us retirement system which basically just puts a lot of a lot of new rules in it to just confuse people and and uh waste money and uh, just make the, the bill longer. Let's start with allowing automatic 401k enrollment starting in 2025. Employers would be required to automatically enroll employers in a, at a rate of at least 3% with a mandatory 1% increases in each year until it hits a max rate of 10%. So my question is, are they requiring people to save 3% per per paycheck and then mandatory 1% increase until it gets to 10%? So they're getting involved in how, how we save. So, hey, you have to take 3% on top of everything else you're given and put into savings, which is fine if you want to. Or they're telling employers that you have to give 3% of uh, people's uh, salaries to them in the form of retirement savings, which is pushing more cost on the employers, which will trickle down in the form of higher inflation and, and uh, less opportunity for their, the employees. This will apply to new employer plans that start in 2025 and later. Existing plans are exempt. So if you work for a company and you're not enrolled in in your 401k, that's going to be the requirement when you when you start it if you wait till 2025. And if you're a new company then uh then that that that'll be that'll be starting as well or if, if you're a new employee of a company uh in 2025 that'll that'll apply to that. Except businesses with 10 employees or less and new businesses, less than three-year-olds, would be would be exempt. And, of course, here's the kicker. Employees can choose to opt out if they want. So they're mandating the employers sign people up, but the, but the employees can opt out. So what is any of this doing? It's doing nothing. Hey, we're going to sign you up if you don't opt out, but if you opt out, then you don't have to sign up. What a waste. Creating bigger catch-up contributions for older workers. Under the current law, Americans 50 years and older can uh, make catch-up contributions to their retirement plans uh, that are $6,500 higher than what no- people under 50 can can. So, so hey, you can put up to $20,500 into your retirement plan if you're under 50 per year. If you're over 50, you can put up put up $6,500 more than that. Starting in 23, that goes to 22,500 for under 50 and 30,000. Uh, If you're, if you're over 50 secure 2.0 would increase the limit up to $10,000. So you could put an extra $2,500 on top of that uh, for workers age 60 to 63. So it really doesn't do anything for, for, uh, for the 50 year olds. It does it for, if you're over 60 and uh, from workers, if you're age 60 to 63, which is past the time you can actually take it out. However, they would have to pay taxes on the money up front. So what does that do? It doesn't do a damn thing. If you have to pay taxes on it, you can just put that into your own savings. Hey, just put in your investment account. Hey, you're allowed to put $2,500 more into your savings account. Wow, you could do that already if you want to. Increased retirement age. Secure 2.0 would also raise the age that Americans must take required minimum distribution from their retirement plan to age 73. So originally when... IRAs and 401ks came out. Um, we were deferring taxes on these things and the IRS said, said hey, when are these people going to pay taxes? Well, they have to start pulling their money out. They pay taxes as they pull the money out and if they never pull the money out at age 70 and a half you have to start pulling money out. so you have to pull out like four or five percent per year and pay taxes on that. And then in 2020 they raised that up to um, to age 72 and now they're raising it up by age 73. By 2033, that would raise the age up to 75. So what we're going to hear next is that they're going to start giving us, and you're going to have to start taking retirement injections at age age 72, so you'll never live to age 73. Amazing. Emergency withdrawals. Starting in 2024, Americans would be allowed to once per year take an early emergency distribution from their retirement accounts to cover immediate financial needs, up to 1,000 tax-free as long as they pay it back within a certain time frame. So as I understand it, you can all, you can already take out money as long as you pay it back within 60 days. So now the government's saying, Hey, starting in 2024, a year from next week, um, you can start taking up to 1000 and take three years to pay it back without having to be taxed on it. There's no limit to what you can take out now, as long as you pay it back within 60 days. So if it's an emergency, so what's the benefit of that? Nothing, really. Secure 2.0 makes it easier for employers to make contributions to 401k plans for employees paying off student loan debt. How's that going to work? Um, so that means that if they're paying off student loan debt, the employers can put can contribute more into their retirement account based on their paying student loan debt off. Why would the employers want to pay off their employees' student loan debt? Because if they did, they could already do that and write it off as payroll. I don't know. Allows employers to offer small financial incentives to employees who participate in company retirement plans. I thought they already did. You know, uh, 401Ks, hey, they can they can match contributions up to 100% or 50% or less than that. The employer can decide how much they want to contribute to the employee's retirement plans, which gives them a reason to stay in till it's vested so all that money becomes theirs. So this new 2.0 allows employers incentive to offer small financial incentives to employees. What's that about? It sounds like it's already there, and it makes changes to the savers credit, which was previously only available to those who own taxes. Clearly, what this means is the federal government is gonna is going to match people's uh, savings, which means basically they're going to take and where do they where do they get those that money to contribute to people's savings for their retirement they get it from us can you say redistribution of wealth so people that pay taxes people that make money we pay the taxes and they're just going to give it back to the people that don't pay taxes socialism step two Next, there's election, election reform. Of course, the omnibus bill, omnibus bill includes an overhaul of the 135-year-old electoral, electoral Count Act. In response to Donald Trump seeking to persuade Mike Pence to reject the electoral votes on January 6, 2021, the bill changes the definition of the vice president's role in the certifying the electoral votes. The role of the VP would now be defined as a strictly ceremonial act. It also raises the threshold for objecting to the state's electoral votes. Instead of one member of the House and one member of the Senate, it requires 20% from both chambers to object before the objection can be recorded. Meaning no matter how much cheating they do, no matter how obvious it's done that there was election fraud, there's be be no way for them to object to it because the bar will be so high that it'll never happen. Can you see how the Democrats are premeditating, how they're just setting up, so they can continue to cheat and allow Republicans to never take back uh, any part of the, of the federal government. Refunding the police. The omnibus includes more than $770 million for federal law enforcement grants issued to local governments. Another $324 million can be used to hire 1,800 law enforcement officers across the nation to replace all the officers who were laid off, quit, or killed during the defund the police movement. So let's see 324 million to hire 1800 law enforcement officers across the nation. Let me just do some simple math. 324 million divided by 1800. That's $180,000 for each position. I know cops are paid well, but I don't think they're paid quite that well. So where is this money going? Probably some police officers association union that will that will pilfer it and make sure that they they uh, include some donations to the Democrat Party, and two and that's probably already been already been negotiated. Two hundred thirty million, two hundred thirty one million will fund Justice Department grants focused on community policing and de-escalation strategies. What exactly is community policing? We started funding this last year's omnibus. How do we know if it's working? We don't. Lobsters over whales. Thanks to Susan Collins' involvement, the Omnibus chooses lobsters over whales with a controversial policy to protect the lobster industry in Maine. This is basically the fight between environmental activists who say endangered Atlantic whales are getting caught in lobster nets, so the government needs to force lobster fishermen to upgrade their nets, and lobster fishermen who say that they take enough precautions to prevent whales from getting caught, and they don't need any more rules killing their industry. So, lobster's over whales. So this stops the government telling them that they have to upgrade their nets to save the whales so we can save the lost lobster fishermen. Well, I don't know that I don't know that I disagree with that, but the lobster fishermen are saying, "Hey, we take enough precautions to prevent the whales from getting caught and they don't need more more rules killing their industry." Kind of like they did the mortgage mortgage industry and every other industry. Um that's out there. The more government gets involved, the more screwed up it gets. Free market always works. The only thing that doesn't work is people, and of course, government. The Omnibus bill also includes one billion to help poor countries with climate change. Hey, how about that global warming out there? Uh, look at the temperatures in this country going on uh my house in uh in uh, Bozeman, Montana is uh is tipping the scales as low as minus thirty two degrees and apparently that's going across about two thirds of the country this this week. How about that global warming nine hundred and fifty million for more pandemic precaution and replenishing the national stockpile nine hundred and fifty million to replenish more what masks ventilators uh other things that uh states are supposed to uh stock up on that they didn't and the federal government came in and and uh uh initiated the defense uh production act and had co- companies making uh masks and making uh making ventilators when the when trump was telling the state governors they need to stock up on this stuff uh make sure their their uh their uh stockpiles for this kind of stuff uh is stocked up and uh of course uh 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 andrew Cuomo the the award the award winning Uh, um, COVID manager um, who didn't stock up uh, was criticizing that, Hey, we didn't have enough ventilators. Well, that's because you didn't stock up on them. Okay. Next renaming two federal buildings, an FBI office in Alabama for retiring Senator Richard Shelby and a building in San Francisco for who else? Nancy Pelosi, who isn't retiring that we wish she was 40 billion for disaster relief to be shared by about a dozen agencies, including Department of Agriculture, National Park Service, and Transportation Department. Apparently Pete Buttigieg needs a needs a raise in his budget. Um, twenty five million for National Labor Relations Board, just what we need, more government involved in involvement in labor unions, and two million for something called the Nancy Pelosi Fellowship Program, a higher education grant to encourage foreign service participation among undergraduate students. I have a question. Why don't we have a, a, a fellowship program that encir- that encourages domestic service? Serve our country, not other countries for undergraduate students. That that seems more, hey, why don't we just start the draft and make college-age kids go serve our country? And we don't have to call it an Nancy Pelosi Fellowship Program. We'll just call it, hey, give you an extra two years to, to grow up before you go into college and waste all your parents' money on an education that won't help you earn any more money that's just that's just my opinion. I could be wrong, but i'm not uh i'll tell i'll tell you tell you a story on this one is um I have some clients that I was doing a loan for, and uh the wife had hundred and thirty thousand dollars of student loans on her on her credit report, which led me to to suggest that we do the do the loan without her on it because of all that extra debt and I said so what's your daughter studying? Is she going to be a neurosurgeon or something? $130,000 worth of student loan. She goes, Oh no, she's in business. She's in, bu- in business at NYU. And, uh, and that's only half of it. Uh, her father, uh, signed for the other 130,000. So $260,000 worth of, uh, student loans to, for a business, a bachelor's in business degree. And, uh, as she got out of college, she needed to, uh, serve an internship. So I said, sure, she can come work for me. I'll, I'll start her off and teach her the loan business. And as she worked for us for, uh, I don't know, uh, three or four months, she one time asked me, she goes, Ed, so you don't think any part of socialism is good. And I just looked at her and I go, no, what, what did you learn in business school? what did you learn in business school that you would even ask a question like that? Amazing. So for you parents with college age kids, do yourself a favor and don't send them to college. If they want to be doctors or lawyers or scientists. I guess they have to. But if they're just, I just want to make money in something. Okay, here's $200,000 to go into business school. You don't need a degree to make money in this country anymore. It's not the industrial age. This is the, the information age. All that information is available on the internet. So, getting back to the omnibus, no more TikTok on government devices. Under the omnibus bill, the Chinese owned TikTok app will be banned from all federal government devices, amid concerns that the Chinese government is using the app to spy on TikTok's 100 million American users. So now China is a national security threat? Hmm. Now, after. Wasn't Trump the one who's saying they're a national security threat? Wasn't Trump saying that we should ban TikTok in America? oh, no, that wasn't good while Trump was doing it. But now that Biden's in there and he's let them infiltrate our country and basically position ourselves, basically China positioning themselves to take over, uh, now we're going to ban TikTok on government devices. So except one thing notably absent from the bill, according to the New York Times, a proposal to create an independent commission to investigate the pandemic's origins, was stripped out of the final budget legislation. An official familiar with the bill told the New York Times last week that the Biden White House did not support a commission. Well, why would they? Why would they support a commission because they're going to find out that the Democrat party was involved in it. They're going to find out that that Fauci and the Democrat party were uh basically planned this because we know we have we have uh uh videotapes of Biden of uh Fauci saying that he predicted we were going to have an unexpected a pandemic in this country next year, talking the year before the uh, talking in 2019. And, uh, you know, we know that all this stuff, all this stuff did, we should have just let it go. Everybody get it. Everybody get over it. And we keep the economy going, but instead we uh, basically ran our country broke to keep them from being able to go vote and to create an all mail in vote vote in 2020 election. So they could effectively steal the election. I don't know, Ed, you're you're passing conserva- c- uh, conspiracy theories. Yeah. So? Because that's what happened. We all watched it. We all saw it. Everybody knows it. It's just not politically correct to say it. The bipartisan omnibus bill was written and sponsored by four senators, Schumer, McConnell, Collins, and Manchin, four Democrats. Even though McConnell and Collins call themselves Republicans, I say that's four Democrats. Here's Republican Mike Lee of Utah.
1: This monstrous spending bill clocks in at 4,155 pages. It was released in the middle of the night. We've had it for only a few hours, and now we're being told Congress needs to vote on and pass this thing on an expedited basis. Some are saying, you know, within the next 48 to 72 hours. Treating what is fundamentally a, a legislative proposal. I mean, let's be serious about this. This is a handful, like four or five people in Congress wrote this. And they put it together. They introduced it in the middle of the night, uh, in the early morning hours of 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 uh, of today. And and now they're wanting to collapse all hearings, all floor debates, all discussions in earnest about this and say you just have to pass it because this is what the process is. Some of our colleagues must have magical powers, powers that I can't grasp or even understand.
2: Hey, if you're on Twitter, Look up uh, Rep- Representative Dan Bishop. He's a Republican uh, Republican uh, representative from the 19th District of North Carolina. And he's got a whole series of tweets where he goes through. Uh, he says, my team and I are reading through the omnibus bill today. All $1.7 4,155 4, pages of it. Along- Follow along for some e- uh, egregious provisions in the bill. And he has a thread of... About 15 tweets, where he uh, takes pictures of of pieces, and he'll give you give you a, a good look at some of the things. Maybe I, maybe I covered, and some of the things I uh, didn't have time to cover. But this is what our government does: they, they introduce a bill in 4,155 pages. Four four people out of 535 uh, representatives of our of our country um, write this, and they don't give them any time to uh, to read it before they pass it. And as of this moment, which I'm recording on Thursday, they have already pa- it's already been uh, passed the Senate, and it's going to the House uh, either uh, Thursday night or Friday. Hey, let me uh, wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Remember the reason for the season. Happy birthday, Jesus. And uh, let's try and be nice to each other and uh, turn off the politics for at least the weekend. And uh, my name's Ed Hoffman. Thanks for listening to the main event, and I'll be back again with you next week. Hi, this is Ed Hoffman with United American Mortgage. New company, same Ed Hoffman. If you've heard my show, The Main Event, then you know that I think like you do. And that's what you want when you're looking for someone to advise you on real estate financing. Whether you're thinking of financing a piece of property you'd like to own, or refinancing a piece of property you already own. Or if you or your spouse are over 62 and you'd like to find out more about that reverse mortgage thing that everyone is talking about. And whether that property is in California or another state where you'd like to go to Escape, California... I can help you find the solution that's right for you and in step with your short-term and long-term plans. Call me at 951-252-2027. That's 951-252-2027. One last time, day or night, area code 951-252-2027. Or go to edhoffman.net and click on the United American Mortgage logo.
1: Ed Hoffman and MLS ID number 9921. United American Mortgage Corporation and MLS ID number 1942. United American Mortgage Corporation is an equal housing lender and licensed by the California Department of Real Estate.